You are listening to Girl Speak, a podcast series all about art, history, and contemporary culture with a girl's eye view. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 32 of Girl Speak, our news roundup for April 2015. I'm Tiffany Rhodes, program developer with Girl Museum. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, or streaming us today. Girl Speak is produced by Girl Museum, the first and only museum in the world dedicated to celebrating girlhood. We are a completely virtual museum that explores and documents the unique experience of being born and growing up female around the world in the past and present. Before we get started, do you want to be a part of our next exhibit, Gamer Girl? Gamer Girl explores the history and contemporary culture of girls and women who make and play games. We travel through time and around the world to explore girls in gaming, from the earliest games of ancient Egypt to video, role-playing, and board games of today. Along the way, we show how gaming is empowering for girls individually, as communities, and as agents for social change. The exhibit will launch in August of 2015. Our exhibit will feature a section of special contributions entitled The Why I Game Quilt, as well as contributions that explore the history and contemporary culture of gaming. Submissions are open to girls and boys, women and men, of all ages and around the world, as well as the nonprofits and other organizations for and by gamers. To learn more and become featured in Gamer Girl, please email me at tiffany at girlmuseum.org. Now we turn to international news for this past month. Our first story comes from the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, known as UNESCO, which just released their 2015 Global Monitoring Report. Entitled Education for All, the report provides a complete assessment of progress since 2000 towards the Dakar Framework's goals. The Dakar Framework launched an ambitious agenda to reach six wide-ranging education goals by this year. Despite all the efforts over the past 15 years, the latest report has found that the world has not achieved the Education for All goals. There are still 58 million children out of school globally, and around 100 million children who do not complete primary education. Inequality in education has increased, with the poorest and most disadvantaged shouldering the heaviest burden. The world's poorest children are four times more likely not to go to school than the world's richest children, and five times more likely not to complete primary school. Conflict remains a steep barrier, with a high and growing proportion of -of out-of-school children living in conflict zones. Additionally, the report found that education remains underfinanced, with many governments lacking prioritization of education in national budgets. It is recommended that governments allocate 20% of their national budgets in order to bridge funding gaps in education. Yet there is positive news. The framework has helped to achieve stunning growth in the number of children enrolled in school. In the past 15 years alone, the number of children and adolescents who were out of school has fallen by almost half, resulting in an estimated 34 million more children having attended school. The report details that the greatest progress has been achieved in gender parity, particularly in primary education, although gender disparity remains in almost a third of the countries with data. In conclusion, 
The report calls for new educational goals to include prioritizing marginalized and disadvantaged groups, stronger action on financing from governments and donors, and stronger monitoring efforts to hold all stakeholders to account. To read the summary report, be sure to check out our blog for an upcoming post about the Education for All report. Our next international story is about the latest social media campaign, hashtag this doesn't mean yes. The initiative aims to dismantle victim blaming and clarify what consent really means. The hashtag is fighting back against the common practice of blaming rape victims for their own assault if they are too drunk to consent or too scared for their personal safety to vocalize a no. Not only does such victim blaming legitimize rapists' actions, but it also can lead to rapists escaping convictions in court, with almost 97% of rapists remaining unpunished. The new initiative, This Doesn't Mean Yes, was started by Rape Crisis South London and utilizes a billboard campaign to feature women in all styles of dress, even winking at the camera with the hashtag. The campaign aims to place the responsibility on men to respect women no matter what a woman's behavior is. The campaign has also published a simple but powerful manifesto, which reads, A short skirt is not a yes. A red lip is not a yes. A wink is not a yes. A slow dance is not a yes. A walk home is not a yes. A drink back at mine is not a yes. A kiss on the sofa is not a yes. The only yes is a yes. The ultimate goal is to enact more legislation like California's recent Yes Means Yes bill and cultural changes to move from the no means no campaign of the past to only yes means yes, making it a responsibility for anyone to obtain consent before engaging in sexual acts with another. In late April, we also read from Global Citizen that Pope Francis, during his weekly audience at the Vatican, spoke with an Italian news service stating that, as Christians, we must become more demanding, for example, by supporting the right of equal pay for equal work. Why should it be taken for granted that women must earn less than men? The disparity is pure scandal. His comments come days after a Vatican official made a strong statement addressing the moral imperative of tackling climate change because of the effects that it will have on the world's poor. Pope Francis's comments are welcome, especially in light of statistics from ActionAid that detail how the gender pay disparity costs women in developing countries more than $9 trillion annually, which is more than the combined income of Britain, France, and Germany. Our final international story is one that I am very excited about. As a self-proclaimed comic-loving geek, I am ecstatic to announce that Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment have partnered to launch the new DC Superhero Girls, a new superhero universe designed specifically for girls. The new universe will feature action figures, digital content, TV specials, books, apparel, and other products this fall centered on female superheroes from the DC universe. The powerful, diverse lineup will feature our beloved female superheroes and supervillains as relatable teens, geared towards girls aged 6 to 12. Featured characters include Wonder Woman, Batgirl, Harley Quinn, Bumblebee, Poison Ivy, Katana, and many more, each with their own storyline to explore what teen life is like for a superhero or villain, including discovering her unique abilities, nurturing her remarkable powers, 
and mastering the fundamentals of being a hero. I'm very hopeful that this new series will take a nod from recent efforts from Marvel, as seen in the new Miss Marvel, and independent releases such as Cleopatra in Space, which both feature strong teenage female superheroes learning about their new abilities as they tackle the challenges of everyday teenage life. The initial launch of DC Superhero Girls will happen in the fall of 2015. Now we turn to the Americas. In Ecuador, the Girls Letters and Dreams program was announced in early March and seeks to empower girls that are in situations of mobility and promote protection of their civil rights. The program is a joint effort between Catholic Relief Charities, Plan International, and the Scalabrini Mission in Ecuador. It encourages girls to write letters detailing their dreams and talking about the barriers that they face as girls, which are then sent to an authority, such as the President of Ecuador. Then the girls paint self-portraits that feature their dreams of themselves as adults, and these are shared with the public. More than 2,000 girls in the country have had the opportunity to tell their stories to the world. Many are between the ages of 12 to 16 and come from families fleeing the 50-year armed conflict in Colombia. Nearly half of all the letters detail fears of violence suffered in the home and of being taken out of school. So far, six provinces in Ecuador have defined agendas focusing on the rights of girls, and the president and vice president of the country have met with girls of the program and proclaimed to be in favor of protecting girls' rights. Twenty expositions of letters of girls have been presented throughout the country, making citizens familiar with the protection of girls' rights. In the United States, the National Football League has broken gender barriers by appointing the first female full-time official. Sarah Thomas, who has worked preseason games and the New Orleans Saints minicamp as a line judge, will now become the league's first full-time female official during the 2015 season. She was also the first woman to officiate an NCAA game in 2007 and the first woman to officiate a college bowl game in 2009. Also in the U.S., two Washington moms, Jennifer Mum and Mallory Catchpole, have successfully launched Budding STEM, a science-themed clothing line for girls between the ages of 18 months and 8 years old. The clothing line features dresses, leggings, t-shirts, and underwear with patterns like rocket ships, trains, and dinosaurs. The moms said the idea was born of their personal experiences with their girls, one of whom wanted to be an astronaut but was discouraged by the lack of girls shown wearing astronaut costumes and themed outfits. Unable to find girls' clothing that featured their daughter's interests, they created their own sketches into fabric prints, met with a manufacturer, and surpassed their fundraising goals on Kickstarter. The clothing line will launch in July at www.buddingstem.com. Across the Atlantic, in the United Kingdom, Oxford's women's crew team made history with an inaugural victory over the men's course, while also being broadcast live for the first time. The Oxford team finished the 4.2-mile course six and a half lengths ahead of Cambridge. The women finishing the men's course is a huge stride for equality in women's sports, and, according to some of the Oxford team members, has already led to more people wanting to take up the sport. The hope is that this historic stride will inspire other women's sports to also try for equality. Also in the UK, a new study released by researchers from University College London details how sexualized images of women in advertising and social media are leading to an increase in emotional problems among young girls. The researchers found that the rise in girls suffering from emotional problems, 
such as being more likely to worry, lacking confidence, or feeling more nervous than previously felt, may be linked to stress brought on by seeing images of women portrayed as sex objects on social media and other websites. The researchers surveyed 1,600 students in years 7 and 8 and was published in the Journal of Adolescent Health. It compared the mental health of school children in 2014 with a sample from 2009. The study found that an average of three girls in every class feel sad or nervous, compared to just one in, or two in 2009. The number of schoolgirls likely to suffer emotional problems rose 7% to one in every five girls. The classes sampled, however, were not nationally representative, as 38% of the children were from ethnic minorities. The UK has a national average of 20%. The study did, however, support other recent research by the Government Equalities Office on Body Image, which has shown that poor body image is a public health problem. It also found that 9 out of 10 teenage girls think statements about girls and women in the media focus too much on what they look like instead of what they achieve. Next, we turn to the Middle East and Asia. In early April, Iran stated that it will permit female fans to attend certain sporting events, overturning a long-standing ban that prevented women from entering stadiums to watch matches attended by men. However, the new policy will exclude some masculine sports, such as wrestling or swimming, and women will likely be assigned to particular sections of stadiums, with mixed seating available to families. The deputy sports minister has also called for stadiums to become more family-oriented. After the new law was implemented, a female Iranian-British activist, who was arrested last June after trying to attend a men's volleyball match, had charges against her dismissed. The decision is also a victory for the Iranian president, who has been pushing to enable Iranians to have more personal freedoms. In Iraq, more disturbing news in relation to the Islamic State. The group has long been committing crimes against the Yazidi minority in Iraq, forcing people to flee the violence. A new report from the Human Rights Watch detailed how the Islamic State is committing the organized rape and sexual assault of women, in one case choosing women by drawing names in the lottery. The Human Rights Watch has been conducting research in the town of Dohuk earlier this year and interviewed 20 women and girls who escaped ISIS as well as doctors and aid workers trying to help them. Half of those interviewed, including two 12-year-old girls, said they had been raped, some several times. Nearly all of the women have been forced into marriage or, in some cases, sold or given as gifts. One of the 12-year-olds detailed how she was separated from her mother and sister then taken to a house in Syria that had become part of the market of Yazidi women. The men would come and select us, she said. When they came, they would tell us to stand up and then examine our bodies. They would tell us to show our hair, and sometimes they beat the girls if they refused. The girl also told of being repeatedly raped, then passed or sold to seven fighters before she managed to flee. All of the women and girls interviewed also showed signs of acute emotional trauma, and several stated that they had attempted suicide or witnessed suicide attempts while in captivity. The Islamic State has tried to justify their actions by claiming that Islam allows sex with non-Muslim slaves, including beating and selling girls. As many as 3,000 people, mainly Yazidis, remain in Islamic State captivity, according to the United Nations. In India, a Muslim woman has made history by becoming the youngest mayor in Gujarat. Asana Muhammad Badish, aged 24, will take part in official administrative meetings of the village twice a week, then travel to her family farm on her bike, 
where she sells cow's milk as well as jewelry. She told the media that she is working hard to provide farmers with adequate facilities and is determined to arrange good educational facilities for the girls of her village. And in Nepal, the aftermath of a devastating earthquake has left the world in shock and the region desperately in need of aid. Yet out of the darkness is some light. In the Kathmandu Valley, a group of 20 young girls are handing out first aid kits and cooking rice and lentils for thousands of displaced survivors in their community. These girls are part of the Unadi Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing food, shelter, and education for orphaned and underprivileged children in Nepal. Though Kathmandu was at the center of the 7.9 magnitude earthquake, everyone from Unadi is safe. Within 48 hours, the nonprofit's founder, Los Angeles based Stephanie Weisler Rubin, was able to mobilize funds and aid for the community, and the girls sprang into action. Many of the survivors are living outdoors fearful of returning to their homes until seismic experts are able to reach the region and tell if the aftershocks, aftershocks have subsided. The 20 girls from Unadi are distributing food and helping to supply medical aid, including one of the girls who was a few months away from graduating nursing school. All donations to the Unadi Foundation are going directly to emergency earthquake relief. Now we turn to Africa. In Nigeria, the elections have installed a new president, Muhammadu Buhari. The former military general beat incumbent Goodluck Jonathan by more than two and a half million votes, marking the first time that a sitting president has been defeated in an election. Many voters stated that they believe Buhari is better positioned to defeat Boko Haram. However, some remain skeptical given Buhari's poor human rights record when he ruled Nigeria from 1984 to 1985. The president-elect issued an op-ed in the New York Times during the election. In it, he stated that his administration must begin with honesty as to whether the Chabot girls can be rescued. Currently, their whereabouts remain unknown. We do not know the state of their health or welfare, or whether they are even still together or alive. As much as I wish to, I cannot promise that we can find them. To do so would be to offer unfounded hope, only to compound the grief if, later, we find we cannot match such, such expectation. But I say to every parent, family member, and friend of the children that my government will do everything in its power to bring them home. What I can pledge, with absolute certainty, is that from the first day of my administration, Boko Haram will know the strength of our collective will and commitment to rid this nation of terror and bring back peace and normalcy to all the affected areas. He then called for better cooperation with international allies, especially neighbors such as Chad and Niger and sending troops to the front lines to confront, confront Boko Haram rather than remaining in the central regions to quell dissent. He also called for his new administration to address why young people join Boko Haram, which included boosting education, especially that of young girls, to empower citizens and pull them out of poverty. Indeed, he stated, we owe it to the schoolgirls of Chibok to provide as best an education as possible for their fellow young citizens. Mid-April also saw the anniversary of the kidnappings of over 200 schoolgirls from Chibok. They were taken from their state school late in the night of April 14, 2014. The kidnapping sparked international attention, with many governments aiding Nigeria in the search and setting off a global social media campaign called Bring Back Our Girls. As many as 50 of the girls subsequently escaped, 
but the majority were likely sold into marriage or slavery. Those girls remained missing, with no sign of the government being closer to finding them, despite claims that they had been found or rescued. They are part of at least 2,000 girls and women who have been abducted by Boko Haram since the beginning of 2014, some of whom are believed to have been used to conduct suicide bombings in northeast Nigeria. But in late April, some hope was given when Nigerian troops invaded the Sambiza forest and rescued 293 women and girls. The forest is a stronghold for Boko Haram and not far from Chibok, but interviews with the girls reveal that they are not the ones kidnapped last April. According to recent reports, the girls rescued are still being interviewed and have not spoken to their families as of yet. In Malawi, a new law has banned child marriages and raised the marrying age to 18. Malawi has one of the world's highest rates of child marriage, with girls as young as nine married off despite national laws. The new law carries a 10-year prison sentence for anyone who marries under the age of 18. And in Kenya, three men have been convicted for the gang rape of a 16-year-old girl, known only as Liz, and advocated for with the hashtag Justice for Liz. The girl was gang raped and left for dead in June of 2013, and the men were sentenced to 15 years for rape and 7 years for causing grievous bodily harm. The case has exposed cracks in Kenya's legal system, where prosecutions are few for sexual violence cases. Liz's case also revealed negative cultural attitudes towards women that keep many from reporting sexual assaults, making reporting and prosecution of cases a daunting and often impossible task. Three of the six alleged perpetrators in Liz's case are still at large, although it has been a year since arrest warrants were issued. Finally, we turn to our incredible girls for the month of April. And oh my, are there tons of incredible girls this month. I am so happy to report on all of these stories, and we'll be featuring a roundup of the links to their complete stories on our blog so you can see all the details. First up is Megan Grassel, a senior in high school in Jackson, Wyoming, who has launched a new line of bras for young girls. Yellowberry was founded last year to make cute, comfortable bras for girls aged 11 to 15, an idea that Megan had after taking her younger sister shopping for her first bra and finding that the options were ill-fitting and over-sexualized. Megan raised over $41,000 in a Kickstarter campaign this month and sold out of her first stock of product within days of launching. The Yellowberry site is currently taking pre-orders that will ship in May. Megan is deferring her admission to Middlebury College in order to see how far she can take Yellowberry, for which she gave up her dreams of becoming an Olympic competitive skier. Next are three girls from Ghana who have found success and a way to take advantage of their country's natural resources. Winifred Selby, Bernice Depa, and Kwame Kay took advantage of bamboo, which is abundant in the region, and established the Ghana Bamboo Bikes Initiative. The bamboo is used to build bicycle frames held together by steel tubes, rings, and traditional wheels, creating a sustainable form of transportation made in Ghana rather than imported. The bikes are eco-friendly and help to reduce Ghana's carbon emissions, while also providing a frame that is shock-resistant and sturdy enough for farmers to transport heavy loads. They are built with low-income consumers in mind, especially students who walk miles to attend school. Their initiative started five years ago and has now won awards from the United Nations and the Clinton Global Initiative University. The three girls are now working to motivate more young women to begin their own businesses, 
offering apprenticeship courses to teach women how to build the bikes and open their own facilities. In India, two Mumbai-based singers and artists, known as the Bombabes, have rocketed to stardom in social media with their rap against rape. The three-minute performance indicts a host of offenders and calls out India's culture of rampant misogyny and its title as the land of rapes. The girls hope to raise awareness and make people think about how what they are doing as individuals has contributed to rape culture. Since the video's posting, it has been viewed over 500,000 times. In America, an eight-year-old girl, Marie, has written a heart-wrenching thank you letter to the social workers who saved her from abuse as a baby. The letter states, When I was a baby, I got hurt and you were on my case. When I was little, I got hurt and I wasn't going to walk at all. I couldn't walk because my spinal cord was broken and couldn't be fixed. So they asked how I got hurt in the ER. But he lied and said that I fell out of bed. So that's when you got involved and solved my case, and not letting the bad guy hurt me or anyone else. I think that if you never helped me, my life would still be awful and lonely, because they might not help me, not feed me, or they would hit me when I cried. But now I'm much better. I now have a safe, happy environment. I'm also around smart people. Marie was later adopted by a social worker and states that she is happy in her new life. In Canada, five-year-old Naaman Uzan has raised over $25,000 through her lemonade stand. She is raising the money for her brother, who has a rare neurological and developmental disorder called Angelman syndrome. The disability causes frequent seizures and makes it a huge challenge for her brother to speak or walk. All of her profits are donated to the Foundation for Angelman Syndrome Therapeutics to help find a cure. Now we have a follow-up for an incredible girl from last month, Maddie Messer. The 12-year-old was featured last month for her study on female characters in smartphone games, which made headlines around the world when she wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post. Maddie's study surveyed over 50 top games on girl characters, finding that 98% of all game characters are male, and that female characters often cost extra. She explained how these biases affect young girls like me. The lack of girl characters implies that girls are not equal to boys, and they don't deserve characters that look like them. I am a girl. I prefer being a girl in these games. I do not want to pay to be a girl. Following her op-ed, the developers behind Temple Run took note and acknowledged the problem in an NPR interview. The developers, a husband and wife team, are now planning to make a female character available in their games for free. They will also be developing a female character called Maddie. Additionally, Disney is also planning to stop charging extra for female characters in their games. In Minnesota, high school senior Manira Khalif is being praised for having been accepted to all eight Ivy League schools, as well as Stanford, Georgetown University, and the University of Minnesota. Munira is the daughter of Somali immigrants and hasn't yet decided where she will attend. She attributes her success to her community, school, and a close family that values education. Her favorite subjects are the social sciences, especially history. Munira has also received numerous awards, ranging from state speech champion to the United Nations Youth Courage Award and has founded her own nonprofit to make education accessible for East African youth by building libraries, mitigating sanitation issues, and providing scholarships. And in Ohio, 
a middle school student at Claremont Northeastern Middle School, is fighting back after the t-shirt she wore for a class photo was deemed offensive. Why? Because the black t-shirt featured the word feminist. Sophie took to Instagram after the principal censored her photo, asking her classmates to join her in protest by wearing shirts that stated, I deserve freedom of expression, or feminism, feminism isn't offensive, or anything that they believed. The principal later reached out to Sophie and her family with an apology. When asked what she wanted from the incident, Sophie stated, I want everyone to realize that we need feminism. I want you to have someone come into the school and educate everyone about feminism. I want us to go to the news station together and show the people that we are working together to make this school and our community a better place for everyone. I don't think that's too much to ask. Another incredible girl is 24-year-old Lizzie Cochran, a student at Columbia University who has launched Epidemia Designs. Epidemia is a clothing line which turns biology-themed images into designs for workout apparel and fashion accessories. In March, Lizzie created a Kickstarter to launch the first line of activewear leggings, which she hopes will inspire girls to pursue their interests in science. She stated, We hope that our designs will serve as conversation starters, and, through interesting appealing patterns, further the idea that science is for girls, too. Another incredible new product is The Adventures of Moxie Girl, a comic book created by seven-year-old Natalie McGriff. Natalie recently won over $16,000 at, at OneSpark, a huge crowdfunding festival, to help publish her book. The Adventures of Moxie Girl is about a black girl who hates her hair. After using some magical shampoo, her curs curls develop super abilities, which she then uses to fight for literacy and save public libraries from monsters. Natalie says the inspiration came from her own life, and her mother hoped the story could help her daughter feel better about herself. Our final incredible girl is eight-year-old Els, who has scored a victory for gender equality in books after a successful petition at her school. Els was annoyed at finding exciting pirate books labeled Four Boys at a scholastic book fair at her school in North London. She then set up a petition to send to the publishers that was signed by 80 of her friends and teachers. Scholastic has now removed the boys and girls sections on its online book wizard, which had limited questions about sports to boys and animals to girls. It has also pledged to no longer publish books that declare they are for a particular gender in the title. Her work has also inspired her friends to find examples of sexism in their daily lives and consider petitions to help make positive change. Way to go to all the incredible girls this month. I am so happy to have been able to share so many stories with you. Yet, before I leave you today, there are still more stories to share. Girl Museum may be about girls, but that doesn't mean we are strictly for girls. In advocating for and educating the world about girls and girl culture, we are also a space for anyone, no matter their age or gender, to be celebrated in their work for gender equality, education, and peace. To that end, I'd now like to share with you two stories that warmed my heart this month. First is 11-year-old Matthew, who was at the mall with his dad when he spotted the swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated on a magazine stand. He then wrote a letter to Sports Illustrated, which has been shared on social media over 100,000 times. Matthew wrote, I was shocked. I didn't want to even see it, but it was right in front of me. There on the cover was a lady in a two-piece swimsuit. She was pulling down the bottom of her swimsuit and was almost showing her private parts, and I do believe they should be private parts. 
I think this is harmful for children to see. My parents are careful about these types of things at home because they want to protect us. I wasn't prepared to see this and felt like it was forced in my face. I know America stands for freedom, and this is why you were allowed to put that lady on your cover, but why are you allowed to take away my freedom by forcing me to look at it? I have been taught to respect women. I even wrote a speech for school that encourages boys of my generation to be gentlemen. How are we supposed to treat women with respect when we grow up seeing them degraded? When boys see women acting this way on TV, magazines, and movies, it makes us think that it is normal to view them as just images. I hope there are other people who will also tell you that women are not just entertainment or a way to make you a lot of money. At least they shouldn't be. I am mad, but I am also confused. Isn't your magazine about sports? It seems to me you are just seeing how much you can get away with, like a rebellious teenage kid. I play soccer and love sports. How is being half-naked a sport? My dad once called you because he wanted to order your magazine, but didn't want the swimsuit issue. He didn't want us kids having to see it if we checked the mail. You told him that just wasn't allowed, so he didn't order it at all. I'm glad my dad stood up to you. Maybe other dads don't want this in their home either. Maybe you are trying to keep up with our culture, and so you feel you have to create these images. But it's an important life lesson to learn to stand up for what is right, even when nobody else does. Just because America wants these kind of pictures doesn't mean you have to deliver them. You can respect women and sell magazines at the same time, and I would gladly grow up and buy Sports Illustrated if it was really about sports. Finally, in late April, 15-year-old Jose Garcia rose to internet stardom after demonstrating his understanding of women. In late March, he posted a photo to his Instagram account encouraging his male classmates to support their female peers by bringing pads and tampons to school. His post featured an image of himself holding two wrapped menstrual pads with the hashtag RealMensSupportWomen and the following statement. To every boy that follows me and calls himself a man or simply a good human being, petition for all of us to start bringing a couple pads or tampons to school to help our girlfriends. If you have a girlfriend or are friends with a girl, you should know that they do not always have tampons or pads on them, or that sometimes their period just hits them without notice and have a bit of a problem finding one. We should support them with this, after all. We don't have to go through all they do because of menstruation, so it's just logical that we help them. You should already know to give them your sweater and not question when they wrap it around their waist. So let's step it up a notch and help them out. If you have any respect for your mother, your girlfriend, or just women in general, I expect you to follow me on this. To every girl that follows me, you are completely welcome to ask me for a pad at any time without receiving a negative response or dirty look. We should all help each other out like this, so you don't have to thank me at all. Jose says that his inspiration came from day-to-day -day things that have happened around him, like a friend staining her pants or feeling uncomfortable to ask for a sweater to tie around her waist. He realized that a girl's period could arrive at any moment, and that she may not have the right products on hand. Jose also helps to, hopes to end the stigma surrounding women and their periods, believing that asking for a pad or tampon shouldn't be such a taboo thing to do. It's a natural thing that happens to women. His Instagram post has over 17,000 likes, and his photo is popping up all over Tumblr. He plans to use his attention for good, and has openly stated that he is a feminist. Stories like these are what I live for each month. 
At the end of recapping girl-related news around the world, both good and bad, it is heartwarming to see so many acts of kindness, movements for better representation and equality, and inspiring stories of girls, boys, and communities making our world a better place. Remember to check out our blog at www.girlmuseum.org to see a roundup of these incredible stories from April, as well as many other stories of incredible girls from the past and present. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. We invite you to tune in to our next podcast on May 15th as we celebrate International Museums Day. Thank you and have a wonderful day. If you like hearing a fresh, girl-positive perspective on the internet, please support us with a tax-deductible donation easily made on our website. Our music is courtesy of up-and-coming artist Han Av. You can find her SoundCloud link on our website.